Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised. I worship you. Welcome to another episode of 20 Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next 20 minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. In the Gospel of John, Jesus uses seven metaphors to describe himself, all beginning with the phrase, I am. The fourth of these is, I am the Good Shepherd. Our Lord made this statement in the same speech he made another, I am statement, that we explored in our previous lesson, I am the door of the sheep. Today, we'll seek to understand why Jesus shifted the metaphor from a door to a shepherd. I'm Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Let's listen now to the Word of God. A reading from the Gospel of John. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters the flock. He flees because he is a hired hand and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd." That was John chapter 10, verses 11 to 16. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. A key principle of Bible study is that we must always seek to take out of the Bible what God put into it, rather than reading into the Bible what we want it to say. Yeah, and for those Bible nerds out there, that's exegesis, taking out, not eisegesis, reading in. And to ensure that we do exegesis, We created the SPACE method. SPACE is an acronym that reminds us to consider the speaker, the audience, and the context of a Bible passage before attempting an explanation. In other words, we'd like to think about the SP, the A, and the C before getting into the E. So obviously the speaker here is Jesus, and in John 10, he calls himself the Good Shepherd. But you know, we in the church 2,000 years later often call him the great shepherd after the words of Hebrews 13.20, which reminds us, quote, the God of peace brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, that is, Jesus our Lord, end quote. Now, as for the audience, we saw last time that Jesus is speaking to the skeptical Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, but really saying things for his disciples and those of us who read his words later. Andy, offline, you also pointed out to me that while many Bibles call this section of Scripture the, quote, parable of the Good Shepherd, it's not really a parable, 
And we should be careful not to confuse the style of communication that our Lord uses here with the style of communication that he used in the parables of Matthew, Luke, and Mark. Yeah, Jordan. I mean, for starters, parables are different from figures of speech, which is what we're reading in John chapter 10. Parables are more specifically spoken by Jesus to his disciples to teach them the kingdom truths. Some Bibles even call them kingdom parables. That's because Jesus is trying to teach the mature Christian through parables what it will take to earn reward, or in some cases, be careful not to suffer loss if we don't understand and heed his parables. You know, they're not so much about salvation into heaven as much as they are guidance on how to gain entrance with him into his millennial kingdom. For example, in the book of Matthew, there is the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents, and the parable of the faithful and wise steward, just to name a few. Yeah, and just for our listeners' edification, we can look closely at two words in the original language of the Bible to see this distinction. Andy, I've chosen two verses for us to examine. Would you please read those verses for our listeners? Sure, Jordan. First, in a verse that precedes our scripture reading today, John 10, 6, the King James Bible says, quote, This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not. In other translations, that word parable is translated figure of speech, as you mentioned earlier, or illustration, which is closer to the meaning of the original word in the Greek. That word is paroimia, which the Blue Letter Bible describes as, quote, extended and elaborate metaphor. Another English word used to translate this Greek word is allegory. An allegory is something, a work of art, a fictional character, an illustration, that is used to represent something else. Here in John, we have a shepherd and a door, both being used as an allegory for our Lord. So, paroimia equals allegory. Now let's turn to one of our favorite passages of Scripture, where Jesus explains to his disciples why he spoke to Israel in parables. Okay, so sticking with the King James, Matthew 13.10 says, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? Okay, so here that word translated parable is parabole. Sounds a lot like parable. And that's the traditional meaning that we think of when we hear that word parable. It's a short story that teaches a moral or spiritual lesson. The Blue Letter Bible puts it very well. It says, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Of course, this is all very interesting, but the point is what you said earlier, Andy. It's important to be able to distinguish the allegories of Jesus from his parables because of the A in the space method, the audience. That is, his allegories and his parables were designed for different audiences, so you have to be careful to keep this in mind when interpreting them. Exactly, Jordan. And the lesson in all this is that as we seek to know God on a more intimate, personal level, if you will, we should always perform our due diligence by studying the original language the best we can before coming to a conclusion on Bible interpretation. You know, like it says in Hebrews eleven six, the one who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he proves to be one who rewards those who diligently seek him. And now we're ready to get into an explanation of our scripture reading. Let's break it down. Our guest reader today is Alia. John chapter 10, verse 11. 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Two key points to discuss here in this verse. One, Jesus says he is the good shepherd, not just a good shepherd. And in doing so, connects himself once again with all that the Old Testament spoke about and promised. Yeah, great point. You know, in past lessons on the seven I am statements, we've discussed how our Lord's use of that phrase, I am, affirmed his divinity because I am, Yahweh, is the covenant name of God. Well, did you know that when Jesus called himself the good shepherd, he also affirmed his divinity? That's because he claimed one of the Old Testament titles of God, the title of divine shepherd. Well, we've all heard Psalm 23 before. Let's hear King David's psalm again with spiritual ears now that Jesus has identified himself. Here's Alia again. Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thanks, Alia. Like many others, I'm sure, this psalm is one of my favorites. But what always jumps out at me when listening to it is how much comfort the writer feels from knowing the favor and grace he receives from the Good Shepherd. And of course, we know that Good Shepherd is our Lord Jesus Christ. So to recap, in just the first five words of John 10, 11, I am the Good Shepherd, our Lord has claimed he is God twice, once by invoking the covenant name of God, Yahweh, and also, number two, using a divine title for God from Psalm 23, Shepherd. Jesus then follows that up by foreshadowing his death. He says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's the second key point from this verse, and we'll come back to it later. For now, let's continue to verse 12. John chapter 10, verses 12 to 13. He who is a hired hand, and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters the flock. He flees because he is a hired hand and does not care about the sheep. Okay, so who are the hired hands in this metaphor? Well, going back to the A in space, we see the audience is the Pharisees, so it seems he is speaking about them. Okay, so besides being another solid insult that Jesus lands on these hypocrites, what is our Lord trying to teach those with spiritual ears? Well, Jordan, one answer is that so-called religious leaders are just as sinful as any man, even or maybe especially those who claim to be pure teachers of the law. You know, some of those who claim to be shepherds are outright thieves and robbers, according to verse 8, who want only to steal and kill and destroy, as it says in verse 10. But, you know, even those who aren't outright evil cannot be trusted to make a sacrifice when trouble comes. And that's what Jesus was trying to say here. 
No, this is a rebuke to the Pharisees for sure. And it's also a warning to any church leader or Bible teacher today who might have a motive to abuse their positions. For as we know, pastors today are often called the shepherds of their flocks or their congregations. Yeah, there's also an interesting connection here with the Old Testament. We know Jesus is in the line of King David and the rightful heir to David's throne. You know, Messiah means anointed one, and it was the kings of Israel who were anointed. King David was anointed in 1 Samuel 16, and the scriptures say, quote, the spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. Now, follow this connection. David not only wrote Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, but was also apparently a model of a good shepherd himself. As a shepherd boy, he killed both lions and bears in order to defend his flock. According to 1 Samuel 17, this is apparently what convinced King Saul to let David take on Goliath. And um, maybe we can do a little dramatic reading of that part of the story, Andy. Sure. I'll be King Saul and uh, you be David, okay? Sounds good. Okay, so King, King Saul says, David, you can't fight Goliath. You're just a young shepherd boy, and Goliath has been a warrior since he was a child. And then David replies, Don't worry, your majesty. I have experience fighting ferocious beasts. I once rescued a sheep from inside a lion's mouth. And when that lion rose up to attack me, I grabbed it by its mane and killed it. Goliath has defied the living God by fighting against Israel. So he will fall just like that lion did. And scene. Thank you. So we see that David, a foreshadow or type of Christ, set the standard for a good shepherd. And Jesus used that common knowledge as a foundation for his allegory, contrasting the heroic image of a beast-slaying shepherd like David with the cowardly, quote, hired hand who abandons the flock at the first sign of danger. Speaking of which, let's finish today's reading. John chapter 10, verses 14 to 15. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Okay, so this is a bookend to the opening words of verse 11. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And now, in the end of it, 14 and 15, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. We see again that Jesus is foreshadowing his death on the cross. Unlike in the situation with King David, Jesus is foreshadowing that, in a sense, Goliath will win this time, but not permanently. Yes, we only have to jump forward a few verses to see the full plan. Jesus says in verse 17, I lay down my life so that I may take it back. Right. Jesus declares that Goliath will only win temporarily because he will allow it. In other words, as verse 18 explains, no one took our Lord's life. He gave it willingly. He laid it down on his own and then took it up again. That's absolutely right, Jordan. Jesus came to earth for that specific reason. His plan was to offer his life and die for the sins of the world so his believers wouldn't have to. And of course, his being raised up on the third day by his father tells us today that God the Father accepted his ultimate sacrifice for all the sins of the world. We have one last verse, which we skipped over to make that last point, but should not be missed. John chapter 10, verse 16. 
and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. So what we see here is Jesus' foreshadowing, this time about the Gentiles being engrafted into the family of God, making them eligible for salvation and inheritance. And of course, you could read more about how the Gentiles would later get grafted into Jesus' flock throughout Romans chapter 11. Yes, as Jesus prophesied in the parabole, the parables of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, God's chosen people were going to reject and ignore his son, or outright abuse and murder him and his messengers. And this would lead, as Jesus put it in the parable of the marriage feast, to God declaring, those who were originally chosen are not worthy. Go into the highways and invite as many as will come. That's Matthew 22, 8-9. Or as the Apostle Paul put it, in complete exasperation, in Acts 28, 28, the salvation of God was going to be sent to the Gentiles because they were going to listen. And that's precisely what Jesus was speaking about here in John when he said, quote, they will listen and become one flock with one shepherd. Today we know according to scripture, there is no longer Jew or Gentile in God's eyes. We are either believers in Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross and saved by grace, or we are not. We have some time left, so let's do a conversation question. Question. In the Bible, there are sheep, there are lambs, and there are goats. What's the difference? If you run it down in scripture, you know, these are the three types. Uh, Sheep are obviously a type of those who belong to the shepherd, um, which is evident here in John 10. Um, You know, they're God's people. Uh, Israel in uh, the early typology, and then, of course, representing the, the church as well, the others who will listen and become, as you read, one flock with one shepherd. So that's the sheep, the followers of Jesus, the God's people. And then a lamb is a baby sheep. So when lambs come into play in the New Testament, um, for example, when Jesus is speaking to the apostle Peter, um, they represent baby sheep or immature believers that are in need of tending, in need of feeding. Or new believers, right? New believers, right. Very good. And, um, and then, you know, goats are the opposite of sheep. They're the opposite type. They're, they're unbelievers. And we really see those coming into, into play after the tribulation when um, those who live through the tribulation are separated, the goats from the sheep. And we've done a whole lesson on that. Maybe you could uh, expound on that one a little bit more. But um, there's, a whole, there's a whole lesson out there on that particular uh, typology. Yeah, I mean, I, I, what you're alluding to for our listeners is that, you know, there's, there's scriptures about judgment in the Bible, how Jesus says that he will have his, his sheep on the right and his goats on the left. And what we're seeing there is, and what we're learning for as, as we study more and try to share with you, the listener, about the kingdom truths, is that it's important to know, to really understand the context of what you're reading. Because when, whenever in the Bible typology is used, and specifically here with these animals, um, you know, sheep being a mature Christian and a, a goat being a non-believer, it's important to understand what's going on as far as judgment. Right. I mean, um, you know, it's obviously an allusion to the future of the white throne judgment when God is going to, you know, separate his, um, you know, 
believers during the millennial kingdom and then those who weren't believers at all. And another key point to, to always remember is it, it's, it's part of dogma. It's part of doctrine. It's something that we can't avoid is predestination. You know, the Lord tells us that he knew us from the foundation of the world by name, you know, and of course God is omniscient. He, he knows everything. So yes, the Lord Jesus Christ is part of the Godhead. He's part of the Trinity. He was there when, you know, we learn in, in Genesis chapter one, that when the world was created and of course he already knew the plan. Now you and I, we don't know what God's plan is. So God is testing our faith as we go forward step by step, day by day. And that's why we need to continually go out and witness and share the gospel. And that's why we encourage you to not only support your church, being a Bible taught church, but also make sure you get reinforced with good Bible study so that you do spend time to, like I mentioned earlier, do due diligence and, and learn about the deeper things in the Bible so that we can carefully pick out key words so that we understand true doctrine. Because unfortunately, there's there's a lot of people today that might not want to put that effort into studying typology and understanding the difference between a sheep and a lamb and a goat. And that's something that we, Jordan and I have, have put a lot of time into, and we want to share that with you, the listener, to know. And that's important to God because the Lord wants us to know him on an intimate level. And it's little things like this that are important to him. Yeah, I just have one note, and that's about um, biblical interpretation. We use methods like the space method. Well, another principle that we follow is, you know, the fact that if you if you read a type in the Bible, like sheep, a symbol, type is really a symbol, or a lamb or a goat, it's important to remember that that's going to be consistent throughout the word. So a lot of times you'll see people jump into a particular passage and because they want to interpret it. They want to do it, as we said earlier, they want to do um, eisegesis, you know, where they read into the Bible what they want it to say. Suddenly these these types will be shifting around. And and no, that, that that's, not, that's not a principle of God's word at all. God's word is consistent. So um, when you see something like that judgment that you referenced, and there are lambs and goats there, or sheep and goats there, you have to, um, you have to go back in the Bible and run down sheep and understand that if, if that type represented, for example, the lost people of Israel before, then it's going to represent God's people in that example as well. And that'll help you avoid getting caught up in, I won't say false doctrines, but confusion about doctrines and in trying to interpret things, that those types are going to be consistent throughout the word. Well said, Jordan. And keep in mind, everybody, today's lesson was about the Good Shepherd. And of course, it's by God's grace and it's by his love that, and we're honored to be called his sheep. That's 20 minutes and that's our lesson. Before we go, don't forget, we want to hear from you. We welcome your questions and comments, even if you don't agree with us. I mean, we prefer if you agree with us, but Obviously, we're also interested in, if you don't, and hearing your um, Bible-backed reasons why. Feel free to just give us a call and leave a message. Our number is 908-271-6717. If you ask a good question or make a good point, we may even put you on the show. Once again, our number is area code 908-271-6717. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Or you could visit our website at 20mbs.org. That's the number 20, followed by the letters mbs.org. Until next time, we leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul. Grace to you and peace from God our Father 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple. Our music was recorded by the Abundant Life Worship Center. Our sound editor is J.P. Eli. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Mysteries of the Kingdom, Incorporated.